Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the most popular and least listened to podcast in the world, the Sixth Sense Media Podcast, with your host, Mike Phelan. All right, so what is groupers? Yeah, buddy. Uh, groupers. It's a fish that lives in the sea, and it's big. It's a big bass fish. All right, uh, it's also a film. Over. Perfect. <laughs> it's also a film that I uh, that I that I cobbled together that I made uh, and I've been working on for over the last three years now because that's what that's how long these things take when you're doing so much of it uh, you know on your own. Um, but it's it's a feature length film and it's all about homophobia and bullying and uh, group mentality. That's where the uh, title comes from: group mentality, group thought, which uh, kind of rubs me the wrong way, Mike. And uh, the the premise of the story is this um there's a young woman young attractive woman in her early 20s who uh, turns out she's in grad school and she goes to a bar and picks up these two homophobic bully jocks that are like high school seniors and uh she takes them home and uh they think they're going home to have a threesome but she's got uh other plans uh she ends up overpowering them with a taser and tear gas in her van and knocks them out and then they wake up at the bottom of an empty pool in an abandoned house and they're strung together uh facing one another and she lets them know that the only way that they can get out of their predicament is if they choose to be gay for each other they have to choose homosexuality in their circumstance and uh, there's you know a lot more to the story it turns out that they were bullying her little brother and uh, for years in high school uh, who happens to be gay uh, and, and suggesting that homosexuality is a choice and she gives them the opportunity to prove or disprove their theory uh, why did you pick this particular subject matter it all happened uh, by a mistake. Uh, I've been writing for years and years and years uh, towards, you know, working towards making my first feature, which has been the, the lifelong dream. Uh, however, everything that I write is always at least a million dollars to produce. And uh, I'm not real good at schmoozing and rubbing elbows with Hollywood types. I never have been. So I wasn't sure how I was going to go about getting that kind of funding for a first-time filmmaker. Uh, but luckily, uh, I, I was talking to some friends uh, a few years ago about Chinese finger traps. And it just kind of occurred to me that I had not seen a Chinese finger trap in a long time. Have you seen a Chinese finger trap recently, Mike? Like, they just kind of disappear when you become an adult. Uh, no, I haven't. I, even in novelty shops, it's, they're hard to come by now. They're just hard. But when we were kids, like, they're everywhere, it seemed like. They're always, like, in, like, party bags. And I don't know if they're the same ones are still circulating with the kids today. So I asked this question to a couple of my friends. And uh, my one buddy immediately uh, says, oh, I don't know where they've gone, but I just thought of a great torture device if you put two penises in either side. And I said, that's ridiculous. Um, that's, a, that's an absurd uh, thought that you have there, Mike Carano is my buddy's name. But then I thought about it for another instance and i'm like what if those two penises were connected to uh, homophobic bullies and the only way they could get out of said finger trap were, was to be uh, uh aroused for one another and i loved that idea and uh we stopped talking about it at that very moment and then that night i started writing it and i i knew i wanted to get two homophobic bullies in that predicament and the only way they could get out was to choose to be gay for each other. And as absurd as that sounded, I thought that I could write an entire story around it where it would make sense and have some commentary and uh, and be thought-provoking and fun. It's obviously a comedy to begin with. Uh, so I, I didn't. When I was on page, about page 30, I said, this 
I can shoot most of this in one location and with with limited cast, and I think I could actually raise the money for this thing. And uh, I was off to the races. Uh, where did you shoot? Where did you mind if? find a empty pool in someone's backyard yeah we found one pool one house that actually fit our needs i my i put my producer on it that was one of the first things we did and i i live out here in la uh and i uh, it was there's still a lot of empty homes out here and uh, a lot of foreclosures and not as many as there used to be but there's still uh, there's a lot of houses in la and i and i thought that we'd find a ton of different uh, houses to choose from and we we found one house that uh he was he had his house up on a site for this purpose to shoot movies at and it was the only one that actually came across our plate and thank god it did because i don't know i would have had to move it to like a cabin in the woods or something i would have had to change everything but the problem with the house that we got is out in glendale up in the hills in glendale and the guy that we rented from uh, salt of the earth really really nice guy but uh, a bit of a hoarder so this house was filled to the brim with everything and the script called for an abandoned empty house so we spent a lot of time moving uh you know everything that he had in his living room and he had like just his living room alone fit enough stuff that would fit in most people's houses and we'd have to clear the whole thing out for a shot that would get in there and then we'd have to clear out his entire bedroom for a shot that we so it wasn't ideal but the pool and the windows in the house everything worked out the way that it was written in the script thank god the, the two gentlemen that you that you have tied up in the pool, kind of like by a system of bungee cords, uh, how uncomfortable was for that for them for to film each day? Yeah, I felt really bad for them. We shot this thing over 14 days, and I had them in those ropes for about 10 of those 14 days. And I tried to make it as comfortable for them as possible. Uh, <laughs> I had them sitting on apple boxes. I had cushions down. I didn't actually have their, their manhood in the Chinese finger traps at any point. We... Uh, we got creative with that. We didn't have to do that. There's a peen scene. Uh, it does get fairly sophomoric at times, a little over the top. But we used. Uh, we didn't actually have anyone pee inside the uh, the Chinese dick trap, as we called it. Um, and one of the guys got sick halfway through the shoot, so I felt really bad for him. But they, they were troopers. These guys were. Everyone that was on this set was. Uh, they got the vision. They saw what I was going for, and they gave me their all. So I was really, really lucky. How'd you go about casting uh, your leads? Oh, arduous process. Because it's not like when you're making a small movie, it's not like you get to just go, you know, pick actors that you're familiar with that you think would be great for the roles. You got to, you know, start from scratch, really. So I uh, used three casting sites and uh, submitted. And since it was for like lead roles in a feature film that was paying money, um, I had thousands and thousands and thousands of submissions and i looked through thousands and thousands of submissions and then um you know you pare it down to the people that you see video clips of that you think might work and then you do auditions and we use cast studios for those of you who are thinking about maybe making movies out here even for shorts um, i've used cast studios c-a-z-t and it's great uh, it's free for the filmmakers and you can um, set up auditions there and you record them all and uh, it was it was a really fun process. I love the casting process. Uh, for the casting notice that you put out there, did you specifically put that these two, that at least two of the leads would be no, much no, no, for most of the time? No, I didn't give them any idea, and, and it was kind of kind of funny too, because when you know you, you do sides for uh, auditions, 
and uh, you just give them, you know, two or three to five pages from the script. And I, the sides that I gave for the two boys that were going to be in this predicament, uh, I didn't let on with the uh, portion of the script that I made available to them to let them know exactly what they were getting in for. So when I did land on, on the two homophobic jocks for my, my leads, um, it was Pete and Cameron are their names. They're like such sweet guys, too. They're so different from the dicks that they're playing in this in this movie. Um, I... I let them know that uh, I said, good news, bad news. Good news, uh, you got the part if you want it. Bad news is here's what it entails. And uh, it's pretty out there. And you might want to talk to like your family about it before signing on. And they both did. They said, okay, let me get back to you. And they both talked to their parents and let them know that they got cast in a feature film. But uh, they were going to be portrayed as uh, evil homophobic bullies and that they're their penises were going to be suggested to be <laughs> inside uh, a Chinese finger trap for much of the movie. And they got back to me, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're, they're cool with it. Everything's good. Let's do this. So there was that. I was prepared for one of them to say, yeah, you know what? I don't want to be thought of as the, uh, the dick trap guy. So, but that didn't happen. Uh, when, you, when you've had this film screened in front of people, what have been the reactions? Uh, people are laughing at the right places, and um, – they're, you know, I, I've screened it probably t close to 20 times now because I four-walled it for a lot of the people that gave to the project all over the country last year. And it's funny because I was really concerned about the gay community, which I, you know, I really had them in mind when I was writing this movie and making this movie. And I screened it up in uh, the Tenderloin up in San Francisco last year. And I can tell you that it was by far and away the best reaction I got from any audience was from that screening that I did in San Francisco, which was predominantly uh, a gay uh, turnout. And I was thrilled to, to, to get their approval on this movie because the last thing I wanted to do was, uh, you know, offend uh, the gay community when so much of the themes in this movie uh, are, are about, you know, their plight and what they're going through. Uh, even today, especially today with some of the laws that are being bandied about and whatnot, it's... It's getting absurd. So I was really worried about stepping on toes there and uh, was, was thrilled, like I said, to uh, come out the other end and, and have them embrace it. Was there any specific feedback that you got back from uh, the LGBT community about this movie? Yeah, the one thing that I was most concerned about is, okay, so in the center of this movie is this uh, gay brother who I mentioned earlier when I was talking about the plot who uh, gets picked on by these two bullies and... Uh, I think most writers probably would have been more careful than I was with his character and made him more of a sympathetic um, uh, victim. And I didn't want to do that because if I did that, it, this movie would have been preachy. And I really didn't want to make a preachy movie. I, I don't respond well to preachy movies. And I made his character somewhat despicable uh, and a pain in the ass. So I was afraid that they, uh, the gay community might, might have been looking for uh, you know, somebody who's a bit more of a um, sympathetic victim that uh, could, could come out on the other side, you know, uh, standing high and, and proud. But that's not who I wrote. But they were fine with it because most of the, the gay guys that I talked to up and lesbians up in uh, San Francisco, they said, uh, we're, we're tired of, you know, being shown as victims. And uh, there are gay guys like your character in the movie that we all dislike because they flaunt their, their, you know, this almost to, you know, as a, as a bully pulpit themselves, which is what I, I did with that character. So that was some of the positive feedback I got. And honestly, no one gave me any negative feedback, but maybe that's because I'm standing there and, you know, people like to give negative feedback on social media, but not to people's faces. So didn't get any negative feedback in person. 
uh, when and where will people be able to watch the movie? So, yeah, it's getting a um, theatrical release here in L.A. for a full week run at the uh, Beverly Hills uh, Lemley uh, Music Hall uh, starting September 27th, and it'll be uh, screening there um, uh, for a full week. And then uh, we're doing like a, uh, a one-night-only type event in uh, five cities if we meet the thresholds uh, for uh, tickets sold, and we're getting pretty close on a couple of those. That, that'll be New York, San Francisco again, Atlanta, Chicago, and Washington, D.C., and uh, you need to get a ticket for those screenings by September 23rd or 24th, depending on which theater. And what happens there is you buy the ticket and uh, you don't get charged unless the movie's a go. And that would be October 1st at 7.30 in those five cities. And if your city meets the threshold, it looks like, uh, looks like uh, Chicago and Washington, D.C. will meet that threshold. So uh, it'd be great. And it's, they're playing at like big, nice, beautiful like AMC-type theaters, landmark theaters. So uh, it'd, it'd be great to uh, have you guys come out and check it out before it hits the platforms, which will be sometime before the holidays. You've been listening to the Sixth Sense Media Podcast. You can find more of our celebrity interviews and roundtable discussions on iTunes, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Be sure to check out our movie, TV, and video game coverage at SixthSense.com and FanBolt.com.